Welcome to Business Unmuted Live, a video business discussion on Wednesday the 16th of June 2021 which is later shared on platforms including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today we're discussing and celebrating innovation in the north. Here with me in the studio is Dr Arnab Basu, CEO and founder of Chromec Group PLC and down the line we've got Sharon Lane, Managing Director of Tees Components and Jamie Oliver, spelt differently to the TV chef, Managing Director of RTC North. But let's start with the big business news of the week. On Monday, the Prime Minister announced that the prospective reopening date of the 21st of June has been pushed back to the 19th of July. Many organisations have already returned to the office and the workplace, but what could this delay mean for business? I tell you what, let's start by picking that up with you, uh, Sharon. Uh, your people are all back, aren't they, with caution, but what do you think about the general news you heard from Boris? I thought it was the right decision for us. Um, we manufacturing, so we, we've been on site all the way through um, and we need to be at, on site to be able to carry out our work. We can't work from home. We've got real concerns about business continuity um, now that the infection rates are increasing. Um, the vaccination programme has been a huge success, but we're concerned about the, the rates slowing and, and really I think we need that additional time to get more of the population vaccinated. We've got a lot of young people on our site. We've got a lot of apprentices. We've got something like 20% of our workforce is under 25. Um, and so we've still got a significant risk there. And even if we're not worried anymore about being um, at risk for serious illness, we've all still got to quarantine for 10 days if anybody's infected. Um, we're still seeing lots of problems with um, travel. So our revenue for the last year has been around 20% down because we can't export our service engineers um, and we've seen how strict travel restrictions are in other countries, such as the US and Singapore. And it's really frustrating for us that we still can't get overseas to carry out our work mm. um, because of um, the spread of the new variant. So from our point of view, we've got to get this under control. And I'd much rather see this delay um, to reopening to be able to do that. Well, I, I've got to admit, I, I, I can see your point of view and I see your point of view on travel. My daughter has been quite ill. She lives in America. She's recovered from a major operation and I'd love to go and see her, uh, but I can't and I haven't seen her for 18 months. So I, I get it. That's a more social than business reason. Um, but some of me says, Sharon, that with so few deaths and so, so few hospitalizations, we've got to grit our teeth and learn to live with COVID. But if it's four more weeks, I can buy into what you're saying. Jamie, what do you think? I think for us as a service business, you know, we're, we're less impacted than, than people uh, like these components, I would say. Um, and we've actually gone digital. We went digital in, a, in the space of a month last year. And uh, it's actually added a lot to our business in terms of um, how we how we work, how we deliver services to clients. So it's actually been, you know, it's been great for us, for, for, for other people who have to be there. I understand it's more, it's, it's much more of an issue when, when you have to have a, keep an operation running and, and you have to manufacture. And, and you know, we see similar, uh, similar challenges for all our clients, service businesses, being fine, manufacturing businesses have got on and done what they had to do to get by. I think whether, you know, a month delay it's, it's not going to impact us too much. Whether What, what difference is it going to make to the whole COVID, um, uh, the, the, the increase in COVID rates? I'm not so sure. You know, if the, the rate is growing, if the, you know, COVID rates are growing rapidly now. I don't see what another month doing the same thing we're doing now is going to change. Really. I think that's where I fall. But I, I, for four weeks, well, let's get it over and make it irreversible. Uh, Sharon have, uh, and Jamie, have you both had double jabs? You're too young to have double jabs, Sharon, I'm quite sure. Have you had double jabs yet? 
I had my second yesterday. Oh, I've yes. Got a arm. I've got a sore arm. Um, yeah, I, and I think that's the thing is that the, the reason for the extra month, hopefully, is to really push mm. the vaccination programme on and get, you know, open it up to over 18s and, and get those young people vaccinated. Um, you know, and, and that's the problem is that currently, even if you're double vaccinated, if you've been in close contact with somebody who's infected, 21-year-old, you still have to go home 10 days. And that's the problem now. It's about business continuity. It's about mm. keeping schools, education going, businesses mm. going. Um, and that's why it's a worry. There's not a worry anymore for, for, for our health, mainly. I get that. But it's a worry for us all to stop grinding to a halt, really. That's the concern. Anna Basu, what was your uh, take on Boris's decision? I think it was the right decision. Uh, and if four weeks buys us a little bit more time to really get further ahead in the vaccination programme, it will help. It will help the health service, but also it will protect health of the people. The main concern is that, uh, you know, we have seen over the last few months that new mutations are causing problems. So uh, as, as long as we are going forward and not having to take a backward step, I think businesses will cope with this uh, delay. But as a manufacturing business and, and a business which innovates in, you know, in number of areas, it is certainly a concern that without having people on site, it's very difficult to, uh, to do th certain things. International travel, you know, I, I, I used to be traveling 60% of my time uh, sitting in front of clients, sitting in my other factories uh, in, in US. And, and that's, that I can't do and, and, and that all affects. So hopefully we will have to find solutions uh, which will allow us to get back to a sense of normality and that can only be done with better technology, better innovation. Great segue, because I want to ask about some technology you've developed. I'm going to run a bit of videotape now, and people can see a, a bit of kit. We'll run it a couple of times while you're talking. Tell us the things that you've been developing at Chromec, and what do you think they could do to help everyone open up? Uh, Chromec is known as, you know, uh, traditionally we are a radiation detection technology company, but over the last 30 months or so, we have been working on biopathogen detection together with the U.S. Department of Defense. Uh, one of the things that we uh, have done over the last uh, few months as part of our Innovate UK program is developed a COVID-19 specific detection device. Uh, it's a fully autonomous and automatic uh, airborne COVID-19 detection system, so it can sit in a corner of a room in an airport lobby or in a school or in a hospital uh, and, and actually uh, detect sample air and provide the indication whether COVID is there or not. On the videotape, you can see it looks a little bit like a photocopier uh, in size and, and, and scale. So it sits in the corner of a room and just sucks air out and samples it. That's it. It's, it's a fully autonomous uh, piece of equipment, uh, costs around £20,000, uh, and, and it can really make a big impact in terms of augmenting track and trace, augmenting how to target testing, perhaps, or even how to decontaminate, more mm. effective decontamination. So it's one piece of the jigsaw. As, as we have seen a few months back, we were thinking vaccine is a silver bullet and everything is just going to work out. But as we are already talking about our booster doses maybe in, in the autumn, because this virus is mutating, this virus is changing its shape and form, and, and we have to take stay a step ahead of this. And technology will have to play a massive role in getting us back to that normality.
Well, that brings us to the next stage of our discussion. We'll come back to this uh, development and innovation you've, you've discussed in a moment. In the spring budget of 2021, the Chancellor announced there would be a review of research and development tax credit schemes. Two forms of tax relief are currently available for companies for certain R&D qualifying expenditure. The first is for SMEs and the second for targeted larger companies. Jamie, you're at RTC North and I know that you're well into this innovation space. Uh, are R&D tax credits doing their job at the moment? Um, I think I think there's a lot more uptake that, uh, to be had, to be honest. I think there's some good schemes out there and the government have done well over the last year you know, in terms of uh, providing incentive, uh, support for business, financial, financial, what have you, R and D tax credits are another tool in the in the locker, if you like. Um, and I think you know, reading up on the uh, 130 percent uh, relief on profit for R and D expenditure, um, it can be quite confusing to be honest. So I think there's a bit of translation needed to be done there. So, but I mean, you know, it's a fab scheme. But again, it's the same as um, you know, the R and D tax credits of the past sort of four or five years, the uptake hasn't been great. So we've got to keep promoting it and keep pushing it. Sharon, you are running some extremely good, high-end, uh, innovative uh, industrial uh, processes. I'm running some videotape as you're speaking uh, uh, in a moment. Uh, what do you think about the government's R&D tax relief uh, regime? And are you having super deductions going forward? Yeah, the, the R&D tax relief is really important for SMEs like us. Um, that's because we work with OEMs across the UK in their new product development and we're manufacturing prototypes for their new components and carrying out design for manufacture exercises. And there's a lot of risk, you know, technical risk and commercial risk with carrying out that work. R&D tax credits mean that we can undertake that work, we can offer that flexibility um, to OEMs in the UK and say, yes, we're happy to develop this with you. Um, that, to be honest, without R&D tax credits, we would either not take that risk or we would become commercially uncompetitive and it would, you know, it could potentially go out of the UK into a different supply chain. So it, it's just absolutely crucial. And I really hope that, that, that ministers understand, you know, that really does make a big difference to our ability to, to be that innovative, flexible, supportive supply chain to, to British OEMs. Now, in a minute, I'm going to talk to Arnab about how he's uh, uh, got core funding for some of his products, which have come from the US Department of Defence. He'll explain that in a minute. But I know that, Sharon, uh, some of your products, which are very high end, have been related to defence spending, haven't they? You've got these uh, uh, um, propellers that go under ships that are uh, designed to be uh, uh, difficult for submarine and sonar to spot that you, you do, and you've got uh, IP related to that. How, how, how important is that element, uh, defence spending and future thinking, to your business? Um, yes, so we, we do carry out um, a significant amount of, of work um, domestically for defence, and we've seen quite a lot of reshoring over recent years as well, um, which is, has been really positive for us. Um, the defence sector in the UK, it, it, it's very important. And we, it, I, for me, it's getting stronger all the time. The networks um, are developing. Um, there's lots of um, considerations in terms of your site security, your IT um, system security and all of those things, which we're heavily investing in, as I know others, others in the supply chain are as well. And um, and the, the good thing about it is it's a great source of pride as well, because it is you know, it is really good examples of British engineering and what it and what it can achieve. And it's something that 
I think we all as a team um, throughout the shop floor feel very proud that we're a part of manufacturing these parts for the submarines and, and so on. And I know that in case of your the, the applications you've got are not offensive uh, arms, they are defensive in, in nature. And, and, and Darnab, I know yours is. Tell us about uh, DARPA and the US Department of Defense and what role they've played in bringing some of these important products to your business. Look, I mean, we have had a, a very, very strong relationship with the U.S. Department of Defense and with the U.S. Homeland Security uh, for, for quite a while, actually. I mean, we have had continuous contractual uh, sort of relationship with them since 2008, when we were a very, very tiny entity in the northeast of England without any presence in the U.S. It's, it's vital in, in innovation because uh, particularly DARPA, DARPA is a, you know, it's an agency of Department of Defense. They look beyond the curve a little bit. They are looking at what solutions is required for, for U.S. needs, both in defense but also in civilian applications, and, and how to create solutions from the best minds around the world bring the best of industry, best of academia, put them together in a team under a fantastic set of program management and drive that innovation through into the market. We, we developed a unique solution from 2014 to 2018 of networkable radiation detectors, uh, which are used for protecting cities and large, large urban areas uh, against the threat of nuclear dirty bomb. Uh, mm. and, and that's now in operation in New York City. That's in operation in 26 countries we have sold this product and it really catalyzes the, the innovation through real market traction, which is very important. And that has led on, as I understand it, to uh, a, a contract that was announced recently with DARPA to develop technology, uh, forward develop technology on pathogens, which led, led indirectly, I suppose, to some of this COVID materials. That you're Very much about. so, as, as, as a continuation of that thinking of uh, providing a networkable, wide area protection systems against radiological dirty bomb. In back, back in 2018, DARPA actually started funding a program for adding a biological detector to that network for protecting cities against bioterrorism. Now, we today know what the effect of a bioterrorism could be, but again, that forward-looking thinking uh, of DARPA is really, really important. What we are developing there is completely unique, a completely autonomous airborne pathogen detection system using DNA sequencing, which runs automatically without any human intervention, not a scientist in sight, which could be mounted on the top of a bus, moving around in a city, sampling air and providing the full pathogenic signature of, of that air on a continuous basis over a network. So if you had a crazy with anthrax, it could be spotted. Absolutely. But let's go back to January 2020. Mm -hmm. If this device was available and ready and was in Heathrow Airport, we could have identified an unknown virus present in the air as early as January, maybe December, maybe October 2019. And the world could have been a very different place in so, the last two years. So what we are developing can become that bioresilience system that the world perhaps needs to get out of this pandemic, but more importantly, to prevent any future pandemics. And to also to put it in cruder terms for the northeast of England, the bio, uh, so the supply chain to make these products, and Sharon, this applies to you as well. I, I saw the, the, the run of this photocopier-like machine that uh, Arnav has done, but the plastic moulding will be done in the northeast. And 
we in all our products we try to keep our supply chain as close to home as mm. possible mainly for selfish reasons mm. actually it works better uh, you know uh, we may save some money going to the far east or whatever but ultimately having suppliers based around the company as a small business as an sme we can manage them better and, and sharon you are both the beneficiary and the cause of that kind of cluster in your own business aren't you yeah, uh, do you know, it's really exciting to, to just hear about that that new product development and what it could mean um, globally. And just, yeah, that, just hats off to you for um, how how far this has come. It's so exciting. And I would love to be part of your supply chain. <laughs> She's very good, by the way. She's very good. Uh, <laughs> we no, will definitely talk. All right, Jamie, I'm going to bring you in for the last uh, section. Uh, you've got a great event coming up. We'll flash a slide uh, up that tells us all about the people that are involved. Uh, this event is the Showcase Northeast. It's on the 8th of July. It connects like-minded professionals, introduces them to an invaluable local sector opportunities. It's a promoter of innovation. Come on, Jamie, tell us more about it. Yeah, it is, and it links on from the last point, really. It's, it's you know, supply chain localization is is a um, is big on the agenda now, and obviously we've had Brexit and now COVID, uh, and some of these big supply chains are looking for more local content, and you know, um, Showcase Northeast is there to showcase that those opportunities really both from you know supply chain opportunities but also from you know to showcase some of the innovation challenges of the day so um we've got 30 speakers lined up already um they're going to speak in one day but we're going to record most we're going to record all of them some of them are going to be pre-records we're going to host them online for businesses to access you know for the next six months and we're going to store them on a, on a virtual platform which will also have you know virtual stands opportunities for meetups one-to-one meetups community forums chat uh, and all of the above, really. So, um, we, you know, we're covering sectors including civils, offshore, automotive, process, rail, digital, uh, built environment, health and life sciences, and, and um, public procurement as well. So, there's going to be speakers from all of that and more. Um, and, you know, some of the highlights for me, really, um, well, the biggest highlight of the whole day is really just the willingness of all these big uh, supply chain initiatives to be involved and be engaged. To help for, to to really go go deep and look at the local content, it's fantastic. So we, we've got um you know uh, we've got Andy Aldrin, who was Buzz Aldrin's son, talking about space commercialisation. He'll wow. be supported by um, uh, the European Space Agency and talk about their supply chain uh, opportunities that they're looking for. We've got um, one of the most exciting projects, obviously for the northeast, is Dogger Bank, and we've got Equinor talking about that fantastic sort of you know the biggest uh, wind farm development project in the world. Equinor, the tier one contractor, and they're obliged to give 60% local labour, local content, so press them on it. Yeah, this is the well, Sophia too. Um, we, we've got Leonardo, uh, who Sharon may know of, big aerospace defence and security uh, organisation, make helicopters, uh, radar mission systems, £2.3 billion organisation. They're engaged, uh, been really supportive. They're, they're going to do a talk. Uh, we've got um, HS2 biggest civil engineering project in the UK. They're really engaged. Uh, we've got Bayes and uh, talking about uh, rail, Northern Rail particularly, and how companies can get involved there. Um, Autom- the Northeast Automotive Alliance have brought together um, the driving uh, the electric revolution uh, story. They're bringing that story to the, to the event because that covers off um, electric vehicles, obviously. Um, and on top of that, we've got um, uh, Atom Bank, they're going to talk about digital and what's it like running a digital business uh, in the northeast and you know from the northeast more importantly um and we've got professor john byrne from the center of life 
and um, we've also got the National Horizon Centre down in Darlington talking about what they're doing down there. Um, something I'm really uh, interested in, you know, the, we talk about the decade of the 2020 has been a roaring decade of innovation. It's going to be really exciting. I think the 2010s were stalled a little bit. You know, there's lots of great, some great innovation, but nothing really drove through in terms of productivity. There's lots of great, um, there was lots of great digital innovation, but more in a social media contest. It did context. It was more fun stuff. I think 20, everything that's happened the last two years is really going to drive digital transformation during the 2020. That's really exciting. Health and life sciences, obviously, is going to change the world. Um, but also this thing, you know, and obviously we've got um, uh, the drive to net zero as well. Massive. You know, you know, we've got so to get there by like 2050. Is it all digital or have you gone any of you anything face to face? I know it's impossible. This is to digital. Make it, yeah, this is a digital event. But we're going to, we're going to, you know, we, the point of the event is just to showcase. You can't go into too much detail. After mm. the event, we're going to run workshops with all of these suppliers right. so people can get more sort of um, narrow and deep about what they need. What are the actual opportunities? Do they, are they relevant? Are they applicable? Do they have the right skill set capabilities to, to service these kind of clients? But I think it's a great start. And, and, you know, like I said at the start, the willingness from all of these organizations to get involved in this has been really heartening and really excited about it. Another shout out, actually. I really want to talk about a lady called Kate Beaucherel who's trying to talk about blockchain and uh, cryptocurrency. Mm. I don't know how much people know or are aware of the decentralized, you know, the, the, the drive to decentralized finance and what that's going to mean, mean for, the, for the future. That is, I think, you know, one of, if not the most uh, breakthrough, you know, one of the most challenging and most exciting breakthrough innovations of the, of the 20s. I think it's going to be around decentralized finance systems. So that's fantastic. She's going to talk about that. Bitcoin, well, etc. Jamie, I'm sure it'll be a great success and you've put a lot of effort in and you have a very formidable RCC North, a very formidable network. And if anyone can speak up for the Northeast, you can. Sharon, I know that you and I are probably desperate to get back on the rubber chicken circuit and the stale bacon bun circuit <laughs> when we can. I'm sure Jamie is as well. But these, these innovative uh, little uh, digital platform events are certainly playing a part, aren't they? It's fantastic. Do you know what? The, the the greatest thing about this is that it makes it so accessible to so many people, you know, and for lots of different reasons, people, some people wouldn't have been able to event, attend that event in person. And this just means that now it's genuinely open to all. It's a real leveler, isn't it? Mm, you know, it and, um, and I think that's something that we can definitely take away from this. Even things like, you know, looking at this next generation, how we get kids into work, into STEM in particular, you know, I've always done a shadowing day once a year. I've had a schoolgirl with me for a whole day. This year, I have half a dozen schoolgirls with me on a uh, WhatsApp video call for the whole day. So actually, you are able to spread whatever your message is, whatever your inclusion is. You're able to spread that so much wider now because because it's digital. And I, I think that's a fantastic opportunity to come out of, of this whole thing. All right. Well, Sharon, Jamie, Arnab, thank you for joining us. That's it for Business Unmuted this week. Join us at five next Wednesday.